Before we begin, my suspicions have been confirmed as correct. What are your suspicions? This is the greatest hair dye job of my life. <laughs> because I've been here for two hours and you haven't even noticed. It's that natural looking. Well, I'd have to actually look at you, you know. What do you think? It, it, it's better than that fucking sad ass emo buzz you had a couple weeks back. <laughs> what was that all about? Don't ever do that again. Welcome to the fellowship. My name is Adam Hawk. You love to hear it. And the man sitting across from me is Ryan Engel. And this is our atmospheric audio river, a sonic flood of decibels and waveforms breaking the levees of your eardrums as episode after episode runs off into the vast ocean of content, never to be harvested, monetized, or sustained. Folks, <laughs> that was a metaphor and a topical one at that, because right now in California, we are, for the third year in a row, experiencing extreme rainfall. In the only state where the infrastructure is so archaic and the government is so useless that we somehow exist in the only place on Earth that is simultaneously on flood watch during a drought. Yeah. Let that sink in because that's California in a nutshell. We are in a state of drought while on flood watch. And this happens all the time. Enough water falls from the sky to solve every problem we've ever had related to drought. And we just watch it run off into the ocean. Sounds a lot like this podcast, eh, Parts? You could say that again. We have enough great content to elicit some kind of fame and compensation. And because we are incompetent and as good at our jobs as the California government, we just watch it run away into the vast ether, never to be monetized or sustained. Don't dump drains to ocean. California, the weather's so good that when it starts raining, people don't know what to fucking do. I'm from Seattle and down here in California, if it rains, soccer practice for my kids is canceled. If it rains, I get a note from HR from the SCGA, which I got yesterday, advising everyone to stay home and shelter in place. If it rains, people stay off the roadways. If any of that were to happen in Seattle, yeah. the city wouldn't exist. Yeah. Being up in the mountains the other week and you're seeing how the locals there think, if there's like a rainstorm, Big Bear gets a little bit of a dust crust on top. It's like, oh, we better better take dad's four by truck and bring some chains. It's going to get nuts up there. You know, you go to these little towns that live in the snow and they're just driving front wheel drive Camrys and just fishtailing and people don't give a shit. Lots of golf to talk about. But before we get there, let's get caught up on our respective weekends because it's been noted on this podcast that while we are in close contact five days a week, we typically go our separate ways on the weekend. So let's start with you. You broke a cardinal rule, a cardinal rule that you have self implemented and you headed north of Irvine on Saturday. Folks, just so you can follow along here, Ryan Engel proudly lives in South Orange County, the best area of the entire state. And if you don't believe me, just ask anyone who lives here. They won't hesitate to tell you everything right with them and everything wrong with you. Here in South Orange County, everyone has blonde hair, everyone surfs, and everyone went to high school with each other. No one has <laughs> left their own zip code, yet they feel like they have the entire world figured out. It's quite the dichotomy. On last week's podcast, Ryan said that he doesn't travel north of Irvine on the weekends. 
For those without a map, Irvine is a mere 19 miles north of where Ingle lives. I live in Fullerton, a town much more inland than where we are now, and a town just about as far north as you can go in Orange County before hitting Los Angeles. Despite the fact that I absolutely live in Orange County, folks like Ryan Engel don't like to acknowledge that. In fact, folks like Ryan Engel will make jokes that towns like Fullerton are riddled with crime. Everyone has bars on their uh, window. Just, it's fun to talk about. And that our pothole lined streets all have liquor stores on the corner. Kind of true, right? He paints a real <laughs> picture of dystopia, which is why last week he started to say that he breaks out in hives whenever he gets halfway to where I live. Yet this same guy took his wife and kids to Santa Ana this weekend, broke his own rule, and wound up really close to where I live. Even invited me to join him because Ryan Engel went to the Discovery Cube, a children's science museum in a part of Orange County he has often lampooned. Now tell me, Engel... Did you get shot? Were your tires slashed? Your car windows smashed in? Did you get your shirt caught on some window bars? Or did you have a great time? It was great. I mean, we didn't eat the food, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, folks, as I invite Adam, I'm like, hey, uh, this is close to them. You know, it's Saturday. Adam's been away from the family all week working. I'm like, hey, why don't you join us? Get the kids. We can have a little Hawk Ingle uh, discovery session, you know? And he's like, oh, they are going to Alhambra today. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, ha, 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 they, huh? Yep. Get the kids out and weekend, you get the house to yourself. We're talking about your weekend right now. No, we're talking about you kicking your family out of the house. Look, my wife has family that live local. They are about 45 minutes north of where we live. How would 45 minutes be considered local? It's more local than my parents who live in Seattle. So my wife likes to go to her folks' house as often as she can, and she will bring the kids because what grandparent doesn't like to spend time with their grandkids? Now, I, as a working man, two jobs, two monster commutes, will often tag Mm. myself out of those occasions Mm. because if I could get one thing in my entire life promised to me once or twice a month, it's an empty house on a weekend where I can just sit around and do absolutely nothing. And my favorite pastime is falling in and out of sleep (laughs) during the afternoon. God, you're such a dumbass, dude. How was the Discovery Cube, the Children's Science Museum in Santa Ana? Well, like I told my wife when we asked your opinion on it over text and you gave us your thoughts on it, I said, I don't believe anything Adam says when it comes to kids. You gave us a good wreck on that restaurant one time. I'll go to you for that. But when it has to do with like kids stuff. Why would I be asking the guy who just ditched his family how this kid's place is? You're the guy that goes there and says, all right, kids, don't talk to this guy. Don't talk to that guy. Meet here back in an hour. Go nuts. And then you sit there on the bench and wait for him to get done. Huh? That's the way you do it. It was a way better experience than what you painted. We had a good time, headed back down south and made some supper. So on Friday, (laughs) for me, we'll talk about my weekend. On Friday, out with the old, in with the new. Got the old couch out the front door, put it on offer up. Did you get it out the front door? My wife and I did, yeah. How? Explain to me how this went down. It was a much easier experience than I thought it was going to be. The couch went right out the front door fairly quickly, and the night before, I had posted on offer up. Anyone want a free couch? It'll be out on my front yard Friday at 10 a.m. So you went front yard, like I said, instead of the back alley. As time goes on, as we get older, are you going to start to appreciate how often I'm right, or is it just going to start to irk you more? I think you're at a defining moment in time. You're either going to be like 
wow, I'm just like witnessing greatness at this point. I'm a fan now or like, fuck this guy. He's too right too often. You're a big enough fan of yourself where you don't need me (laughs) to be a fan of you. I know I don't need it. I'm just wondering if you will be. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so the couch got loaded up by some dude who played Tetris in the back of his truck bed and got it out of there. Did you help him or did you awkwardly watch him struggle? I helped him. Did you, though? I helped him. Okay. Yes, he asked for it. And by the way, me helping him was me helping me because it got off the yard quicker. Mm. Not long after, Costco showed up and brought in the new couch. Now, this couch, this new couch, has less give than concrete. And I know it's going to break in, but right now it's hard as a rock. I tossed my phone on it, and the phone bounced three feet in the air and straight into the wall. <laughs> When's the last time you sat on a brand new couch out of the box? I mean, a cheap Costco one? It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Get what you pay for, Adam. Now, my wife got all excited because a new couch means new throw pillows and decorative blankets, which means I had to go to Target. God. Target is an absolute black hole for all men in the world. Your wife goes in there and she never comes out. So this often means you go in there and never come out, which means that us guys have to find a way to entertain ourselves in Target. So I want to ask you right now, give me your top three favorite departments in Target, three to one. Where are you spending your time? Your top three, three to one. This is something I asked you to prepare yesterday. I can tell by looking at you right now, you did not (laughs) prepare at all, but go on. I'd say uh, three would be outdoor patio stuff, hoses and barbecue shit and that whole zone back there. I could sniff around there. I'm not going to buy anything. Two, I would go the automotive thing. Be like, oh yeah, need some new uh, wipers. Glass cleaner. Oh, look at these jumper cables. Yeah. <laughs> and one, I'm big on the culinary arts right now. I'm into the cooking equipment, tools, pots and pans, shit like that. Okay. So, number three, the outdoor section. Number two, automotive. The automotive section. And number one, the kitchen section. Yeah. Should Folks, I'm- you heard it here first. Target, I got to give them credit where credit's due. They have done an incredible job, probably the most incredible job of pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. That place is trash. Target is Walmart with a coat of red paint. And a a bigger price tag. Sure. My number one favorite section in Target is the sporting goods section. I will always go there and pick up an aluminum baseball bat and take a few practices. (laughs) I mean, you can go to the Fullerton Target and ask to see the security footage for the last five years. Once a week, I'm going to be doing the Ken Griffey Jr. stance in that aisle, taking a full swing with a t-ball bat. That's pretty sick. Whatever happened to Kmart? I just couldn't hang, you know? I know. Blue Light Special, though. What's that? You don't know what a Blue Light Special is? No. Attention, Kmart shoppers. We have a Blue Light Special on aisle 14 in the uh, aluminum bat department. (laughs) Oh, nice. I'd be there for that. They just have some live fucking blue lights flashing. Like, this is a hot grab, deep cut. Come and get it. You know what I like about that is it rewards in-person commerce. Yeah. Whereas today, everything is set up to be e-commerce. This rewards the guy that parks his car and walks into a store. Yeah. The biggest problem with Target is the finish line. It's the worst place on earth to check out. They have more employees than the Egyptian pyramids had building that thing. Walking around in red things, ignoring you in aisles, putting deodorants away. And you see employees just constantly just chatting 
in aisles at that place. What is this? This is a college campus? And then it's like, okay, I've walked aimlessly around here, threw stuff in my cart that I don't need. I'm ready to get out of here. And then you go and wait in line. The counter where you take the stuff off is tiny. The line is long. Everyone's just standing around. They're slowly checking you out. It's just like a painful, slow, clogged, not streamlined experience. You hand them like a shirt that you buy and they keep the hanger on it and do a half-ass fold and stuff it in a plastic bag. And you're like, this place, they might have everyone else fooled, but while I'm there experiencing it in person, I'm just thinking to myself, looking at how everything went down from start to finish. This is the most budget fucking place in the world. It's so bad. The chicks, all the moms and all the people who love Target who are probably going to hate me for all this shit I'm talking on it, they're in their own world in there. They look like zombies. Well, I've got good news for you. I don't think you're going to make any moms or women upset because I've looked at the analytics of this podcast. Yeah. Our listener demo is 99.9% men. You love to hear it. Shout out to Lindsay Wrighton, the one and only female listener. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay sent me a text the other day that said, one of her favorite marriage rituals with Thomas Wrighton is getting in a long car ride and listening to our podcast. Wow. You know what? Those two are the best. Aren't they? They were the best at the show on Christmas. They're special. They certainly are. Well and said. you just love to hear it. You love to hear it. To wrap up the weekend, I got a text from you. Simply read MF Doom. Yeah, dude. You got to explain this to me because before we went into the weekend, I was telling you about MF Doom. We were getting into the most deaf Drake drama, which, by the way, is the least nation golf thing of all time for us to be sitting around dissecting the T between Drake and most deaf. But most deaf is one of the greatest MCs of all time. And he called Drake a great rapper if you want to listen to music and target. Boy, it all comes full circle, doesn't it? You love to hear it. And you showed me this bit of news in this video. It was amazing what Most Def was saying. And then I told you, man, if you like Most Def and you like old school hip hop and true art when it comes to that genre, you really got to try MF Doom. MF Doom is Most Def's favorite MC. Quite frankly, MF Doom has been referred to often as your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. And you sent me a text over the weekend that just said MF Doom. Yeah, I gave it a shot. I really liked it for a number of reasons. To me, it, it's like most of it is like the truest form of hip hop. And from a listener's perspective, it's got like the sample or the beat or whatever. And, and he's just kind of going over it. It's so simple that it's kind of like nice background music also. You can choose to turn up and listen in to his art and his storytelling and rhyming and, and being an MC, Or you can kind of pull back from it and let it play and and I kind of did both because we were in the car a lot this weekend. That's why I texted you. I got to say, I like gave it a good listen. And I was like, this is really good. He's really good. But the whole thing about it was really uh, enjoyable to listen to. Wow. That makes me very excited to hear for a number of reasons. But the top of the list being now we can play MF Doom at the office. Yeah. Let's talk golf. Let's talk low scores in golf. Joaquin Neiman, a former PGA Tour winner turned live defector, shot a 59 down in Mayacoba, Mexico at the par 71 El Camaleon golf course. Why is this news? It's certainly not news because it's live golf. No one watched, no one cares. But there is debate around this score. The debate being, is live golf setting up these golf courses to get low scores to make headlines? Remember, Bryson DeChambeau shot a 58 last year. 
And we could do a tired old bit about how if a sub-60 round happens on the Live Golf Tour and no one saw it, did it really happen? But I'm more interested in this conspiracy theory, which is gaining steam, being bandied about that Live Golf is setting up easy golf courses for record-breaking scores to make headlines. Keep this in mind before we get to your take, Engel. The PGA Tour has been around for 108 years, and there have only been 12 rounds that broke 60. Only 12. On average, breaking 60 happens once a decade on tour. It's happened twice in six months on live. So take that into account and take into account that the golf course they played on was a par 71. The players are guaranteed a paycheck. It's a 54-hole event, no cut. No one is watching them at the tournament or on TV. They aren't playing for anything, so there's no pressure. How much credit are you giving this 59? I mean, of course there's pressure. Of course they're playing for stuff. Pro golf is pro golf. Tournament golf is tournament golf. And anyone who's ever played in a golf tournament knows that when you put the peg in the ground, and no matter how many people are watching, that everything counts and you can't bump it, move it, or cheat a little bit. It's just a little bit fucking harder. When you're playing amongst your peers who are all really good, even if it's on what you would want to emotionally call a, an inferior golf organization, those guys are playing for $4 million bucks. I'm sure there's enough pressure. I mean, we see it on a daily basis when you're playing the snake game for $26 or something. It all matters. They're playing for something. I don't know about some conspiracy theory that they're trying to make it easier for them to get these headlines, but I would just have a hunch that... The PGA Tour and working with their organizations and who they're aligned with, with the courses they go to that week, the golf course superintendents of America or whatever the fuck it's called. They have a long history and infrastructure of going to these places ahead of time, making sure they're set up. I would bet that Live isn't as polished and set up for that as the PGA Tour is. So I would just probably assume that they're not really building these courses before the tournament to a standard that is as good or as difficult as a PGA Tour is. So I would assume that maybe they're playing a little easier. They're probably leaning on the local grounds crew a little more and not regulating them as much as, say, the PGA Tour is. But to further my point on this, I think it's hard to compare it now with the history of the PGA Tour because we're in a new era now where the technology is insane. Rory's hitting just stock drives 350, dude. That dude's 5'10". <laughs> These guys are bombing it. Even the, the little guys are bombing it. And it's all carry, and it's cutting a little bit. They have complete control of the golf ball. As soon as those guys get hot with the putter, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of those scores now because of the equipment. If another live golfer fires a sub-60 round in the next three to four, five, six months... Do you think that that conspiracy theory is going to start to gain a lot more momentum? If we see three sub-60 rounds in less than a year, do you think that that is going to be good or bad for Liv? It depends on comparing the other tour. I mean, there's been a lot of low scores already on the PGA Tour. There's 61, 62, 63s every freaking round, dude. These guys, they're really good and their equipment is a level of being dialed that's never been seen before in golf. And what's scary is, is it going to even get better? This equipment's incredible. It's too easy for these guys. The next low score surrounded in debate is Wyndham Clark's 60 at Pebble Beach from Saturday. Pretty special. 
but this guy, like the rest of the field, was playing preferred lies, a.k.a. winter rules. Or as we like to call in the Gillis group, ball in hand. (laughs) And you love to see it. Lift, clean, and place. And the fairways weren't rolling at all. Nothing was going to run into the rough because the ball's plugged on impact. The 60 was a tournament record at Pebble, and honestly, it could have been a 57. On the back nine, he left three putts an inch short right in the heart, and he made a bogey on 12 that would have been an easy par if he didn't get a fried egg in the bunker. All that being said, how much credit are you giving to a course record 60 if it was played under preferred lies? These guys are all streaky players, whether they admit it or not. They have a hot week. It's because things go their way, and they're striking it well, and they're making putts. He's obviously streaking right there. When it's moist like that and the greens are receptive and it's a course that has years, years of knowledge, their plan, their knowledge of where to miss it, where to put it, what greens do what, which one's not to miss long, like they've got that place completely sorted out. So if you make the conditions a little easier for them, they're going to take advantage of that, which he did. My first thought would be like, what were the other scores? How good were they? Still a fucking unbelievable round of golf. No matter what you say, you got to make the ball go in. It's not that easy of a place given the pros tease to not get any roll out of the drives too so there's an element of difficulty to that i don't know if you're just gonna ask me just plain and simple yeah i think there's a subtle asterisk to it sure and look as a guy who's one and only hole in one is at a par three course off of mats i know what it's like to have an all-time golf accomplishment drenched in caveats (laughs) it sucks it's just very interesting that both joaquin neiman and Wyndham Clark went exceptionally low over the weekend, and both of them are taking all sorts of debate mm-hmm. on their rounds. But we move on yeah. to the Waste Management Open. A frat party in Scottsdale with a golf tournament in the background. Prepare yourself for seven days of the most try-hard, cringy golf Instagram you will ever see. Speaking of which, I saw a video on Sunday of a Post Malone concert at the opening party for the Waste Management. I have nothing against Post Malone. I don't listen to his music. I don't even think it's that good, but I'm not a hater. I am totally indifferent to his art, but I actually think the guy is all right. I've seen some interviews, and he seems like a very decent person. But I bring up the video because you see him on stage playing his songs and you hear the vocals and they sound immaculate. Studio quality sound, despite the fact he's playing live, live in air quotes. And then you see him take the mic away from his mouth over and over again to hype up the crowd. And the vocals are still going like nothing happened. Like he didn't just take away the very tool amplifying his voice from his mouth. He's so clearly using a recorded vocal track, and no one cares. Now, remember back in 2024 when Ashley Simpson was caught lip-syncing on Saturday Night Live? That quite literally killed her career. She was done after that, completely finished, and it's the only thing anyone remembers her for. Ten years later, in 2014, the Red Hot Chili Peppers played the Super Bowl with Bruno Mars, and everyone noticed their instruments weren't even plugged in, and they didn't have any wireless gear, so they were clearly faking it too. And people were pissed, and it didn't kill the Chili Peppers, but it was embarrassing, and it was a big deal. Ten years after that, and 20 years after Ashley Simpson, here we are in the present day, and no one cares anymore. Post Malone can pull the microphone away from his mouth and totally reveal the fact that he's using a recorded vocal track and the mic is nothing but a prop 
and no one cares at all. What does that tell you about society today? It tells me this. We don't care when something fake is being passed off as real. More than not care, we are totally fine with it. The world is just a giant lie. Everything is photoshopped and filtered. AI is writing journalism and singers aren't even singing anymore. And everybody is fine with it. In my mind, Post Malone is more of an actor than a musician. The music for his songs are written by someone else. Who knows who's doing the lyrics? The vocals are doctored through copious amounts of auto-tune. And the live shows are recordings of those same artificially enhanced vocals. It's not real. He is just playing himself on stage. The stage name isn't real. The music isn't real. The live show isn't real. And none of that bothers anyone. They just pull out their phones and record it and cheer. It's wild. There's no standards anymore, and there's no one willing to... uh call it out if you call it out you're a hater everything i just said will get me labeled as a hater yeah i'm not hating i'm merely observing i'm observing a live performance where a guy takes the microphone away from his mouth and the vocal track that we were hearing when the microphone was up to his mouth is the exact same thing we're hearing when the microphone is away from his mouth it's a prop it's fake and everyone's like well he put on such a great concert (laughs) Someone pressed play and he just went out there and put his mouth to the mic and then didn't and nothing changed. I thought about it this weekend and for a professional golf tournament in Arizona, this waste management, the concert, it's as Arizona as an Arizona golf tournament could ever be. If you know what I'm saying. Sure. (laughs) It's just so fucking Arizona, dude. Arizona. From top to bottom. It's drunk, fratty, backward hat, golf version of Lake Havasu with exactly who you would think would play the music portion of it. And it's just... just, It's just Arizona, man. Arizona. Yeah. And everyone's lapping it up, and everyone loves it. Yeah. And we even have friends who posted on Instagram, Post Malone just put on such a good show, and he was wearing a Malbon shirt. What a look. First off, it was a white T-shirt. Yeah. And second off, he couldn't wait to take that white T-shirt off. <laughs> so you've got a shirtless Post Malone in cheetah print shorts running around a golf course, lip-syncing, to his auto-tune track, and everyone is there to tell you how great that is. Yeah. And if you point out, hey, it's not that great. The word great means something. There's a definition to it. And what you were witnessing right now is not great. You can't sit there and tell me that's great. He's a great musician. No. This is a great concert. Prince is a great musician. (laughs) Yeah. Post Malone is not a great musician. It's so ironic to me that this tournament is where it is and is titled, sponsored by fucking Trash Company, dude. Yeah. It's the most hilarious thing, I think, in all of golf. It's fucking hilarious. I don't even know what to say, man. The standard is just so low. 20 years ago, this killed Ashley Simpson's career. Today, it's celebrated and hyped. And what's classic about it, it's just like these quote-unquote streetwear brands who are trying to be inclusive 
and reach a new demographic and then sell $120 screen print hoodies. All right, well, now your target demographic here is rich people. So here's this frat party golf tournament over there. And like to get into 16, it's like two grand to get in. You're buying $14 beers and $25 chicken finger baskets. Cool. Yeah, that's super inclusive. Right. Yeah, let's let's lower all the standards for all these rich idiots. <laughs> Maybe we do need to gatekeep a little bit. Do we need that guy that's trying to get famous on TikTok, jumping in the lake with shit painted on his chest? Do we really need that to grow this game? Last time I checked, even people who have country club memberships are like fighting on the online booking app. Can't even get a tea time at Can't their own club. Can't even get a tea time at their own club, or at least the one they want. Fucking ridiculous, dude. Makes me want to keep buying $30 drivers on eBay, dude. I'm trying to lose distance off the tea, Adam. <laughs> Losing yards. The Nation Desert Classic entries are on sale to the general public this Friday, February 9th. Well, hopefully. Why? I think it might sell out before. Oh. Well, in the event that it doesn't, yeah. stay tuned to at Nation Golf on Instagram. Go to the website, join the email list. You will be the first to hear about it. If you want to come out to Indian Wells Country Club and play in the 16th edition of the Nation Desert Classic, the greatest tournament of the year. The day we go on sale to the general public is the day after your birthday, and since we won't be recording between now and then, happy birthday, Pards. Thank you. 43 years young. What are you uh, doing this year? Uh, we're going to Tennessee. Katie Kai, for her Christmas present, I surprised her with plane tickets. Her best friend and husband and their, their children, they moved away to Tennessee a couple years ago. She hasn't seen them, and I thought it'd be nice to, hey, we're going to go visit your friends. Wow, so you disguised a Christmas present for her as a travel trip for your birthday. Excellent job, dude. Yeah. Wow, and I'm the bad husband and the bad dad. Nothing a grown man wants to do more on his actual birthday than to drive up to LAX and get their family on a plane. Yeah. Really disguising it well, huh? Have you been to Tennessee? Never. What are you going to do? Drink whiskey, smoke cigarettes, listen to country music? Yeah. Nice. Might buy a new hat. Will you be back in time for a podcast next week? I don't know. Maybe. You don't know when you're coming back? Uh, let me look. You just don't know off the top of your head? When I don't. You're... I don't know off the top of my head, Adam. Is that going to be a problem for you? It's a problem for the listener. Yeah, I'm coming back on uh, the 12th, so I'll be back in the office on the 13th. Okay, back in the office on the 13th, which is a Tuesday. Tuesday. So we'll record then. Okay. And until then, thank you so much for listening to The Fellowship. We will see you next time. You'll have to hear it.